Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you in association with West Yorkshire Electrical. A fully accredited electrician. If it has wires in it, they will work with it. Specialist in renewables as well. Thinking solar panels, thinking battery storage, EV charging, all the usual range of services as well. Fire alarm system, security alarm, CCTV. School contracting, work for your home and business. Finance available for work on your home and business as well. Wyelectrical.co.uk for details and search West Yorkshire Electrical on your socials. And not only that, they cover... West Yorkshire, whole of Yorkshire, and beyond. And they were responsible for sponsoring the Reavy, Wilkinson, and Bielsa mural on the side of the Yorkshire Rose pub in Geisley. So good stand-up Leeds fans as well. Right, on with the show. Phil, hello, 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 hello. Um, hello. So we've had the match ball over the weekend where we get the uh, the fans' eye view of the game against Plymouth. What about the, the press box view? How did you um, assess what went on at the weekend? Broadly impressed. And I think we've we've gone from... The early months, uh, early weeks of the season, talking about the, I, I guess the formulaic nature of games at Ellen Road and about how Leeds were going to have to to get through teams, how they might find there would be games like the Sheffield Wednesday derby in particular, where they weren't able to to navigate a path through a really compact and, and tight defence. But the games at Ellen Road, I think, are starting to become formulaic in the sense that Leeds are working them out and and I very much seem to have a plan for these fixtures which which work and and I mean when I say broadly impressed on on Saturday you, you can't ignore the fact that it did get tense towards the end and and they looked like doing what Leeds have had a tendency to do at certain points over the years which is throw away a, a really really good lead but they deserved that win without any doubt and I actually felt that Plymouth were a good team within the the limitations. I, I think when when we watched Huddersfield at Ellen Road, they looked fundamentally poor. You know, they looked disorganised. They they looked like they were severely lacking in in quality in areas that was gonna that was gonna hurt them over the season. I did think that Plymouth came with a plan and, and a pretty sensible one. But I did find myself in the first half after the two goals thinking about that old Mike Tyson quote of everybody's got a plan until you you get punched in the face. And I think the the, the challenge of playing Leeds is that if you come with a Come with a strategy to be compact and to be defensive. Once you concede, you're likely to concede again. Um, you're at risk of conceding multiple times. And I think that was really the story of the game on Saturday was that the failure to kill Plymouth off properly led to that kind of tense and, and nervous finish. But I'm, I'm starting to wonder, I think others in the press box are talking about this as well, whether the, the kind of natural approach to an away game at Ellen Road, which is to sit deep and, and to kind of concede possession to let Leeds have a lot of the game, is going to have to change because it isn't working particularly well for teams. And 
you know, the record under Farker at Ellen Road is incredibly strong at the moment, particularly, again, since the end of the first international break, which I think has been a real line in the sand for the club. You know, it was it was very difficult before then. It was always going to be very difficult before then. I went back to some of Farker's first quotes over the weekend, you know, from his, his kind of introductory um, media briefing and him saying it'll be a bumpy start, but if he can stick with it, then it will get better after that. And it has got better. And I find myself thinking as we go into this international break, that I'm not sure all things considered it could have been much better than this. You know, at this point to be third and, and, and in contention, it's gone as well as it could possibly have gone given what was going on in the summer. Yeah, you mentioned in your article, didn't you actually, um, a stat that we picked up on over the weekend, seven wins in nine, six in seven, whichever way you um, you dress it up, it's looking pretty good, isn't it, at the minute? A real hot streak. I think with a with the division's form team, aren't we, over the last sort of six or seven games, something like that? Yeah, and I do think the form at Ellen Road is significant as well because it's very easy, and I've seen it happen before, to get stuck in a rut of of trying to, of constantly game after game, having to get through a side who are, who are camped behind the ball. It can become quite mentally draining. It can become difficult when it doesn't happen. Um, the crowd feel it as well can, can become tense. But Leeds, I think, are getting better and better at working sides like Plymouth out. And I don't doubt, you know, I was listening to Stephen Schumacher after the game, Plymouth manager, and he made the point, and I think this is right, that they did play their way into trouble um, for both of, of the Leeds goals. And and you simply can't do that. You know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. I think everybody has a plan until they make errors like that. And Leeds will punish them because of the quality up front. But it just felt that Plymouth, for, for all their effort and persistence, and they were really brave, actually, on Saturday. They did they did have a goal, particularly as the game went on, but they just seemed to me to be outmatched. And it was the lax finishing more than anything in the second half that ended up making a game of it. I felt like Leeds should have been out of sight. I think they'll feel like they, they should have been out of sight. And Farker's point afterwards was probably a fair one, that on the back of a win like Leicester, you kind of take any win from a game like Plymouth at home because it is the sort of game where, you know, after the, the kind of euphoria of such a big result um, on that Friday night, can you perform again? And, and the answer was yes. What was his demeanour like then in the press room? Was it one of relief, confidence, uh, a mixture of the two? I think just very, very happy. It's interesting that you mentioned relief because he did say that he was quite worried about the game beforehand. He was a little bit concerned that Leeds might, they might slump slightly in terms of performance levels after the Leicester game, that they might not be quite on it, that there might be a bit of an air around the game of Plymouth aren't great, Plymouth aren't doing particularly well, they're not particularly high up in the league, this should be very winnable. And I think even if you go back to his press conference on Thursday ahead of kickoff, he was talking a lot about needing the crowd, about the atmosphere having to be good. And I think he he kind of felt like he needed to make that point so that people weren't just assuming that it was a, a kind of routine, standard three points, easy win on to, to the next game. I suspect as well that that's why he, he made the point and specifically mentioned the fact that Pascal Strike would be missing. You know, to, it was a kind of warning or a, a heads up to Schumacher that that would be the case and that the defence would change and perhaps something for, for Plymouth to exploit. But I think Farker wanted to avoid the team dropping at two o'clock, strike not being in it, and the crowd kind of having that edge of, mm, this might be a little bit of a problem. Whereas doing it that way meant that everybody knew that Liam Cooper would start on the left side of the, of the two centre-backs. And I thought Cooper had a had a good game. Um, I didn't think there was a, ro- a lot wrong with the defence um, on Saturday. They just got caught out in that moment. What was actually a really slick goal from Plymouth, really good finish at the back post, really good cross from, from the right. But I still think the game should have been out of sight by then. Just a good reminder that you can't switch off, I suppose. I mean, you did pick out Plymouth's front line as the one to watch, the issue person thing that we should keep an eye on in the game because you said one of their main centre-forwards um, was going to be out. They didn't really offer much going forward besides that goal. Did they, I thought, Leeds 
dominated pretty much for me from the outset. And it threatened to go the same way as Huddersfield, but didn't quite shake down like that in the end. Yeah, I, I like Whitaker up front. I thought there was a bit of flair, a bit of slickness in, in his play, but not enough to, to really cause Leeds huge problems. And, and Wayne off the bench did make a, a bit of a difference as well, just gave them a little bit more threat. But without a doubt, they, they missed Hardy. And, and I think the fact remains that man for man all over the pitch, and this doesn't just apply to, to Plymouth, they don't match up um, to a lot of the players that Farker has in his starting 11 or necessarily a lot of the players that Farker has on his bench. And, you know, you can draw that in simple terms and, uh, on the basis of the budget of the two clubs, the wage bill of the two clubs. Having somebody like Ruta in your side who was, you know, not so long ago, a £30 million signing, there is a huge difference there. But I think I think if I was Plymouth and I was Schumacher, I'd be relatively happy with the way they played on Saturday. I think you, sometimes you just have to suck results like that up. Um, he wasn't happy with the penalty decision uh, for the Ampadu challenge in the first half. In real time, I didn't think that was a penalty in the same way that I didn't think the Jorginho Ruta one earlier was a penalty either. But I think it was the right result at the weekend. I think Plymouth will realise that. But if you're comparing them to Huddersfield, what we saw at Ellen Road, you know which side you'd pick to stay up. Well, Michael is going through the um, the Plymouth fan channels as we speak in preparation for doing our propaganda show on Tuesday where we find out what the opposition fans have have thought about it all and we dip into the channels of, of the wider football world. Um, one of the channels that he's turned up is a Plymouth fan who is particularly effusive about how good Leeds are. And I think that's that's pretty fair, isn't it, that you can recognise a team that's, uh, as, as he puts it anyway, the best in the division, he thought, that they'd faced so far. But he said it'd be interesting to benchmark it against what they faced against Leicester because I think they're playing in sort of uh, December or thereabouts. But at the end of the day, it's the table that matters, isn't it, I guess, Phil? As time goes on, I think if you've been objective about this and, and fairly neutral, you have to be quite struck by the way Ipswich have gone this season because it's, it's notoriously hard league, the championship. But I think this season it's probably more difficult than ever on the basis that your three relegated sides have really got it together. They're looking extremely strong and are right in the, the running. I think Michael Carrick touched on this over the weekend. As much as you know, relegated sides do tend to have the potential to go straight back up, it's quite unusual to see all three of them properly in the mix you usually have at least one who find it very difficult to find the feet in the championship but that hasn't happened this time around and that means for your existing championship clubs who don't have big budgets or don't have parachute payments or for clubs like Plymouth who've just come up out of league one so naturally don't necessarily have the same standard or level of player that a club like Leicester or, or Leeds do it's extremely difficult and again you know from, from Schumacher's perspective I, I think they competed pretty well or as well as they could have done on Saturday but there is just that extra edge that, that Leeds have. And as I say, as, as time goes on, opposition managers and analysts looking at the way it's going at Ellen Road, they're going to have to ask themselves, is it actually a prudent strategy to go to Ellen Road and sit back if Leeds are just going to cut through you? But at the same time, can you risk going toe-to-toe with them? I think to a certain degree, Farker's has got the opposition exactly where he wants them at Ellen Road at the moment in that it's hard to know what to do for the best. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I will ask you actually about the wider division in just a second. Just a quick reminder, if you could, um, watching and listening to this, vote for us in the FSA, the Football Supporters Association. Awards are coming up at the start of December. Voting for this closes in about a week's time. That's the 20th of November. We've been shortlisted for Club Podcast of the Year. If you wouldn't mind giving us like two minutes of your time, if even less actually, just to go vote for us. If you go to the squareball.net forward slash vote and then vote in question eight for us, you don't have to vote in any of the other categories if you don't want to. Um, so all you have to do is just click to register your votes. Question eight is us. Pod- Club Podcast of the Year would be eternally grateful. And if you want to vote for Phil in The Athletic as well, there are some um, some questions, categories that they've been um, been shortlisted for. I say, Phil, you've not personally been, sadly... No, 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 I was going to say, yeah, I don't want to steal anybody's thunder here. I meant it's all under the broad umbrella of the, of the wider athletic. Relative of success. Well, Farker was talking on um, Thursday. He was asked about um, Somerville's Player of the Month award. And he wasn't far away from saying... He had a little pause after he first started his answer because he kind of knew that he needed to... He needed not to, to put this in the wrong way. But he kind of said... Individual rewards don't really matter, you know. Like, who who really cares? So, given that I'm not nominated for any, that's it. That's my attitude too. Well, you're on our show, and this is the one that's been shortlisted. So, yes. um, so if we bring it home, you can, yeah, you can absolutely bask in our reflected glory. It's the squareball.net forward slash vote to take you through to that. Thank you for allowing us just a minute of um, of sidelining there. Yeah, back to the division itself. Any any results stand out across the weekend? Obviously, the jump out one is is Borough one, Leicester nil. Sam Greenwood with that absolutely barnstorming free kick to win that game. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday losing 4-0 at home to Plymouth as well. They're looking doomed. Southampton winning, staying on our coattails. Rotherham next opponents losing 5-0 at Watford. Any you want to sort of pick out there? Yeah, it was it was Millwall um, rather than Plymouth at Sheffield Wednesday, but they took a right hammer in there. And, what, and what did I say? Like, you said Plymouth, but oh, um, it's all the same, isn't it? A lot of, cha- a lot of championship sides who look, look very similar. Yeah. yeah, took a real pasting and so did... Rotherham, which was the, the end of the end of the line for for their manager, was he gone now? Because I know there was I, there were sort of rumors. I, I certainly read yesterday that it was um, that that was that was the way it was going, right. um, and that was how how it was looking. How are the Leicester massive? Are they all right after Saturday? Well, yeah, I say our initial feedback from Michael is they're a bit uh, on the fan channels. They're a bit worried that they may have been a bit a bit complacent so far going into the season. I mean, I mean we did propaganda mm-hmm. after we played them, and their fallback position was the was the default kind of fans' position of, well, we're still 11 points clear, so no, 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 kind of thing. Well, that's now down to eight, isn't it? And we're uh, we're closing fast, as the saying would go. Oh, dear. Well, well the, the only thing I would say in Leicester's defence is that Middlesbrough at the start of the season was an ideal fixture. Middlesbrough now is not because they, they found a rhythm and are starting to look like a, a strong team. And I think if you're trying to be pragmatic about what's gone on with Leicester for the last week, Leeds and, and Borough back to back, two really difficult games. Um, and games that you you know you, you can't unrealistically go into thinking you, you you're necessarily going to win both. Easy games to lose, I think, on the basis that Leeds played very well at the King Power, and by all accounts, Middlesbrough played pretty well 
on Saturday as well. Greenwood's having a really good run of form um, at the moment. I'm just in the process of writing about the various players who are out on loan and what's likely to happen with them, where Leeds stand when it comes to do they come back? Or do they have any future? Will they, they be reinvolved? But I have an option to take him for one and a half million pounds, which is starting to look like pretty good value. And you would assume that if this carries on much longer, and he's got four goals in six, Greenwood, that that that, that will happen. But they're they're one of the sides who I think are starting to get involved now. Um, and it is without a doubt, division is taking shape, isn't it? You can see who's in trouble. You can see who's in the running for promotion. It feels to me like it could be a hell of a promotion race. Actually, this one, it could be an absolute bun fight towards the end because there are some good sides in there. And it's nice that our psychology allows us to still be looking upwards towards Ipswich and Leicester, who are eight points ahead rather than just behind us. Because we've got we've got a few teams just on our coattails. We are currently, what, five points clear of West Brom in seventh, albeit Sunderland in sixth. They're on the same points and are there by virtue of their of their goal difference. But that little gap is just starting to form there to the to outside the playoffs. So it looks like we're we're heading into a long winter trying to, you know, it's go for the top two, but definitely not lose out on the playoffs. I suppose, and it's a long way down to the bottom. And just with that in mind, Phil, I realised having passed 31 points, we've equaled last season's entire points total in the Premier League in 16 games. <laughs> Done it by mid-November. Yeah, it's good. It's good going that, um, and it's it's good form. It's nigh on two points a game, um, which is what you're what you're aiming for. But we're going to start running into some of these fixtures now as well, aren't we? Ipswich before Christmas, West Brom, the other side of of Christmas. I was writing when I was writing about this um, in the Plymouth win uh, over the weekend. I was looking at Leeds in the first half, and they were reminding me a bit of, you know, a, a kind of quality marathon runner who's just starting to settle into the period of the race that nobody really remembers and nobody really cares about. You know that that bit where you've got to get through it and you and you've got to keep it together and and stay in contention. And I do just think that they're looking really, really efficient at the moment, Leeds. And in in periods, they're looking. Very, very good. And, you know, a lot of high quality football. Um, but the overall picture is just a lot of wins coming, a lot of points coming, um, doing what, what needs to be done, not conceding too many goals, um, pretty tight at the back. It's shaping up nicely. And I do think, you know, I do think Farker saw this coming. I think he realised it. It still strikes me, actually, to go back to July as a, a bit of a sort of bold pitch from a manager to say, Basically, things aren't great and you're going to have to suck up the fact that they might not be great for a little while longer yet. But if we get through that and if um, we can get to the other side of it and things settle down at the end of the window, then it will come good. And it takes a bit of trust that and it takes a bit of faith. I think it helps massively that the manager doing that has won promotion twice before from the division and pretty recently. So you can at least find grounds to, to have faith in that. But you know how it is when managers come in. They do tend to like to say to people, it's going to be like this, it's going to be like that, we're going to play this sort of football. It's, you don't particularly want to say to the fan base, look, you're going to have to suck this up for a while. But he was right to do it. I think he just called it as it was. And, you know, four months down the line, it's it's looking good. Yeah, I mean, there's been a recent history at this club, though, of, of over-promising and under-delivering. I think probably managing expectations a bit during what was, well, it turned out to be, didn't it? It was correct to say it was going to be a bit of a rocky period until that window shut. But they have settled in and, and I was saying in one of the recent shows, wasn't I? I think that the crowd is now responding to the football and understands what it's about. And just in terms of that, w- w- watching them on Saturday, when they've got possession of the ball and they're just knocking it around, they're working it across the back and they'll go from side to side. I was watching the amount of energy that Plymouth were expending and thinking, you know, you're having to cover a lot of ground going side to side to try and cut off the channels and the passing lines. Cause like our centre back split really, really wide, don't they? To get the ball off, um, off Melier. And, and you see how that just, it serves to wear the opposition down, basically, doesn't it? To tire the legs out 
having to cover a lot of ground, even if you're not necessarily going anywhere, they're doing a lot of work in the meantime, but you're not doing the work, you're conserving your energy and waiting for the next opportunity to attack. It's harder off the ball than it is on the ball if you're a team who are making any effort to press. And these days you can't afford to be passive, um, otherwise you, you get passed to, to death. I mean, it's one of the reasons why Leeds won so many games in the Championship under Bielsa was exactly the same, because they did stretch opposition teams and they did tie them down. And they would they would have afternoons where it was a slog and it, and it was hard work to get there. But more often than not, they did, partly because of, of the quality in the team as well, but partly just because they had the stamina and the, the persistence to, to make it happen. I would say that Farker's levels of training and, and intensity are much closer to Bielsa than a lot of other managers would be. I, do, I don't think they'd be anything like the same on the basis that nobody seems to be as intense as Bielsa when it comes to the way he cracks the, the whip. But it is a, a kind of trademark of, um, of Farker's football. And I always find it quite interesting at Norwich that having sacked Farker and gone for Dean Smith, who players were saying quite openly, had a very different training model. You know, it was... It eased off slightly. He did lay off. He didn't. Um, he didn't work them quite as hard. That they went back to somebody in David Wagner, who probably again is closer to Farker in the way that the way that he coaches and and what he asks for. And it's not to say that it's gone well for Norwich. It really hasn't. I mean, they were on the very very close to another pretty damaging defeat at Cardiff on Saturday before um, getting a grip of that game late on. But that's you know you can see it in Leeds football. They do have a decent amount of stamina. They they are able to cover a lot of distance. But they're forcing the opposition to cover a lot of distance too. And you're right, you could see that from Plymouth straight away. Plymouth seemed to be pretty committed to pressing high and trying to chase leads. But after a while, it does get into your legs. We saw podcasting Sod's Law, didn't we, at the back end of the week where we recorded the show on Thursday. You went up to Thorpe Arch and immediately Farker tells us that, that Pascal Strauch's injured. So we, we were behind the curve, enjoyably behind the curve, keeping it on brand very much so, heading into the weekend's what do you think to the decision to send him off for an operation now when they maybe could have tried to manage him through it? Do you think it's quite a canny decision doing it before we get into the long slog of, of winter, giving him time to recover now? I, I think that's part of it. But I, Farker was saying that he was in quite a lot of pain after the Leicester game. And I guess the, there comes a point where you, your hand's forced to a degree as well. You have to start weighing up the risk of starting strike in games, knowing that there could come a point at which he says to you, "Look, I just can't carry on. You know, I need to come off here. It's it's too painful, which which sort of disrupts everything." And I do think as well, from what I've seen over the years, the best managers and and I actually I asked Farker about this. I said to him, "You know, when you lose somebody like Strike, who started every game and actually has looked good this season and very steady and been really good part of a two man partnership with Rodon." Isn't it sort of natural, even for a manager who wouldn't want to express any weakness, isn't it kind of natural to get it in your head that this might unsettle things even slightly, you know, that it might be a problem? But over the years, the, the best managers you see tend to be those who aren't wedded to a single player, aren't wedded to desperately having to have one player in the, the team. And when the time comes when somebody's injured, a little bit like Nonto, you know, with his ankle injury, from what I was told, it was very much Farker's decision to just get, get that done, you know, to get it sorted so there's no question as to whether or not Nonto is fit and, and everybody cracks on once he's back. And I think it'll be the same with, with Stroik. It, it, to a degree, it looks slightly desperate, doesn't it? If you know that he's carrying a hernia, if you know he's at 80%, but you're saying, I just don't want him coming out of the team. Not a great message for your other centre-backs. It looks like you're pinning too much to him. I think Farker's attitude will be, we can cope without him. It has to be done at some point. Might as well bite the bullet now. I think it's I think it's pretty sensible. But you're right. 
December, January is always absolutely manic um, with fixtures. And if he's 100% fit for that, rather than being, as Farker said, 80% fit, it's got to be a good thing. So Leeds going into the international break then in in pretty rude health. Um, what do you think they need to do or not do over the next week or two? Obviously, you want everybody to come back from their international stays with with no injuries for a start. And for example, we've seen Jorginho Ruta now called up to the France 21s. Maybe Thierry Henry can teach him a little bit about finishing. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that's right. I think that the key for this international break will be everybody coming back fit. I mean, Farke didn't seem totally delighted when he was asked about it um, at the, the post-match press conference about the fact that the Rotherham game had been moved to the Friday night. He was saying that there'll be players who come back who probably won't be able to train, go through a full training session before they go to to that fixture. And clearly Rotherham don't have the same weight of, of international players. Although, like he said, and he's absolutely right about this, it's not Rotherham's decision and it's not their fault. You know, they're not banging on at Sky to, to have that on a on a Friday night. In terms of the, the team, I don't really feel like there's too much that needs to change. I think if you go back to last season, every time the international breaks came around or you know the World Cup break or whatever else, the pretty obvious things that you felt that Leeds should be working on and focusing on things that, that needed to improve. I don't see it in the same way this time. I, I think they're settled in the patterns of play. Those patterns of play are working. I think a hell of a lot of the players are banging form at the moment, which is a, which is a really good thing. But is a long, long road now to the end of March when your next break comes around. Uh, so this period coming up is absolutely crucial. And I suspect Farker will let them have a breather because they're not going to get much of one from here on. Well, there you go. Enjoy the international break, Phil. Any big plans? You're going to be going away anywhere? No, nothing major. Um, my father-in-law is having his um, 60th birthday this weekend, so that'll be us. Um, but that aside, back next week to crack on. Good stuff, yeah. Enjoy the break and we'll catch up on the other side of it. The show will be taking a break, by the way, towards the back end of the week. So we will, yeah, we'll see you on the other side of the break. Thank you. That wraps up the show for this time then. The squareball.net forward slash vote. If you don't mind voting for us in the club podcast of the year category uh, before the 20th of November in the FSA Awards. That'd be awesome. We'll catch you soon. The Squareball Podcast. 